Hello, and welcome to Health and Fitness Redefined. I'm your host, Anthony Amen. Join me today as we take a dive into the world of health and fitness, where we learn how to overcome adversity, to pick that first fiction, and see health and fitness in a whole new light. Today's ladies and gentlemen, we have Trisha Nelson with us today to talk about heal your hunger, emotional eating, things that I know a lot of people struggle with. Things happen in their lives. They reach for the booze. They reach for the snacks. So I'm really excited to learn all about this. So without further ado, let's welcome her to the show. Welcome, Trisha. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. I'm super excited to talk about this topic and the psychology, I guess, behind eating because a lot of people just say, yeah, eat this, eat that. But well, I'm super stressed. Life happens. So I think it's a really broad topic and I think we can get a lot out of you today. And thank you for coming on. So my pleasure. So first, tell us a little bit about how this all started, because that's always everyone's question. Why did you get into this field? Yeah, so I've been an emotional eating expert uh, really uh, for a very long time. <laughs> so, but it started, uh, you know, um, my expertise started with very personal experience of overeating. So I was, uh, as far as I can tell, an emotional eater from the get go. Of course, I didn't know that. I thought I just liked food. So, and I did. I love to eat, I love to cook, I love to. Uh, serve food to other people, go out to restaurants. So it was a big highlight for me. And again, it wouldn't be, have been a problem to be a foodie if I wasn't also a fatty. So <laughs> I gained weight really easily. And by age 20, I was 50 pounds overweight. And I hated being fat. I had a roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up, scrunch up in my hands and imagine cutting off like you cut fat off the side of a steak. I mean, I, I thought about uh, contracting some disease where I'd automatically lose weight without having to diet. I, and I even considered joining the army, so I'd be forced to exercise at boot camp. Because, I mean, I hated exercise. I, mean, I don't know about anybody else here, but I hated exercise. So, um, so yeah, it was a problem for me to, to be overweight. It, it really uh, caused me a lot of angst. I felt really embarrassed and ashamed about my weight. Um, but no matter what diet I tried, nothing worked for me. I mean, I was a yo-yo dieter, so I'd be up 30, down 20, up 10. And I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet because I never knew what size I'd be, you know? And so this is how it went for me. And I had a lot of just dissatisfaction with my body. So that's really how it started. And it wasn't until I learned that I was an emotional eater that I started being able to go deeper than just the diets and the exercise programs because I would fail at those things. I mean, I'd try the diets, I'd fail at them. I'd go to the gym for a little while and then I'd just, you know, sort of peter out. So um, the idea that uh, there was something underneath this that kind of bogged me down and made me self-sabotage, that started to really make sense for me. And when I got help with that love at that level, then things turn around and I lost the weight and have been able to keep it off for a long time. I want to just go back to the thoughts you had in your head about <laughs> how to lose weight because I'm laughing, not because it's just funny, but I mean, I know a lot of people actually start thinking of these crazy extremes. Yes, extremes is the right word. I mean, really out there ideas. And of course, I didn't do those things. But to even go there, 
you know, to even think about that, it's really evidence of how desperate I and hopeless I felt. Like, it's like, I mean, you think, oh, just go on a diet if you're, you know, not liking your weight. But if you fail constantly at diets and you, you know, you get to the point, I mean, I could do a diet for a little while. Like at first you're like, I'm doing it, feeling good, looking good, pants getting looser. But two weeks later, things start to get hard you know, really hard. And so it's really, it's like, what's that about? And cause that's when I'd break out in a binge. And so looking at why it would get hard is that's where I live. You know, that's what heal your hunger is about is why does it get hard? What are the emotional under, underpinning? What's happening inside my head? It's got nothing to do with food. What's happening inside my head, you know? And so much of the time we're stuck on talking about diets and, you know, ketones and calories and metabolism, you know, and the people who come to me are quite educated about nutrition because they've read all the books, like they're like trying to get to the bottom of this thing, but they're missing the key, you know, link, which is our emotional connection with food. You know, why do I go to the kitchen five times of an evening and open the refrigerator and try to figure out if there's anything new that's appeared, you know? And so that's an emotional, you know, there's something emotionally driving that. And that's how I help people is figuring that out. I think this is deeper than just overeating. I just personally feel like behaviorally we reach out to either food or sometimes it's alcohol. Sure. Or I, pot. I yeah. Get me thinking, oh my God, my life's over. Let me just go grab some booze and who cares? <laughs> yeah. So everyone else has different triggers. It's stress. It's, oh, this is going on in my life. I need to have this. And there was, you hear that rationalization. Well, I have X, Y, Z going on in my life. So I need that cake booze or yeah. sit at home all day and soak in a dark room. Yeah. I found that the opposite is actually even better. So if you could take your stress, and this is just from my standpoint, and turn it into, okay, I'm really stressed out. Let me work it all out just to the point I'm exhausted. That's just a better way outlet to get rid of it than it is to turning to food or booze. And I feel like you're just nodding your head. You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, it's, um, you know, so long as we're numbing our feelings with food, so long as we're checking out with food or, you know, X, Y, or Z, there's a million things you can numb out with, you know, it could be shopping online, you know, you could be eating gummy, pot gummies, you know, it's like, there's a million things you could be doing. I mean, sex, porn, I mean, there's, you know, there's so many different things that people check out with. But it's all this kind of the same, it boils down to we're not dealing with our lives, you know, we're not we're not present with ourselves and our emotions. And, you know, every, every run we go on, anything we use to anesthetize our feelings with, it has an adverse side effect. You know, you can't escape yourself with these other habits without it causing some kind of issue in your body, in your mental state or whatever, eventually, you know, and it's so much the most direct route to happiness and wholeness is to face life head on. That was actually my next question. So I'm really glad you segued right into that. You could. It was the, what's your recommendation? Are we better off taking it head on? Like, this is my life. Let me fix it. Or is the first step going to be, let me take my trigger and turn it to something a little more positive? What's your recommendation, well, Jennifer, for people? You know, oftentimes 
people will, um, you know, suggest, oh, you're having issues with food, just do something instead, go for a run or, you know, get a massage or go get a pedicure. You know, it's always like just distract with something else. Um, you know, that's, that's going to work in the short term, long term, not really. I mean, we, we do need, we do need healthy alternatives for sure. But ideally, we take a look at some of our patterns fundamentally and start really personally developing in these areas where we need it. Okay, so it's not just about distraction. You know, that's, that's not going to work long term. You know, we won't be able to distract ourselves long enough if we have that compulsion to eat. If we're just like compelled to go to the kitchen, you can only go for so many walks, you know, and so it's you're going to have to dig into it in my experience and take a look at how am I living? I often tell my clients, it's a living problem, not an eating problem. This is not about food. This is about how we show up in life. This is the thoughts we think, our belief system. These have to be looked at. And and the thing is, I mean, it's not a bad shake because if you do, do you know, let, let food and your dissatisfaction with your body drive you to do some of this inner work, you're going to end up happier. You're going to end up, you know, feeling more peaceful. You're going, your stress level is going to go down. You're going to live longer. You're going to have better relationships. You know, so food was my teacher. Food led me to do some of, you know, this soul searching that led to a healthier way of living overall. Not to mention, I got to be in a thin body. That's that's amazing. Congratulations to you. I love Thank hearing you. success stories. It makes me feel better. <laughs> I have a lot of success. My clients have amazing success stories. They stop dieting and they actually lose weight. They took, they put the focus on the right things. You know, they, I have a, um, a client, Sarah, I was just talking about to somebody, you know, she's a, a mom, a wife and an award-winning producer. And she, you know, was dissatisfied with her dependence on sugar, but turns out just like we we're talking about, turns out you know, she was numbing her feelings with a lot more than just food, um, Nicorette gum, evening wine, and overworking. And she would sometimes, she would often, you know, just blow right through breakfast and lunch without eating because she was working and she'd pay for it with a late night binge, you know, and she never gave herself enough time to just chill. And she was at the, her, the end of her rope when she came to me for help. But within just a couple weeks, Anthony, she had better coping tools to deal with her feelings. She was doing some amazing self-care to lessen her stress. And she also like overcame her anxiety, like her anxiety started to go away and she had anxiety her whole life. And now her daughter, she has three daughters, her daughters are noticing the difference and asking her how they can implement some of these same tools. So it's really incredible. Like it can make a huge difference in people's lives. People lose weight without focusing on that because they're, they're dealing with the underlying causes. So walk us through that. Let's pretend that we're Sarah's daughters and we're asking her, how did you, what were the coping mechanisms? What did you do? Can sure. You an outline of how maybe our audience can kind of take this at home and help them. Stop yeah. Being better. <laughs> Totally. So the first key is to, you know, shift our perspective. Instead of looking at what our eating is doing to us, let's look at what it's doing for us. And this is a great way to begin making the connection between our eating and our emotions, which we usually don't. You know, I thought, oh, I just like food. I didn't make the connection. But my clients start waking up to this and it's a game changer. So I have something called the PEP test. 
And PEP is an acronym, P-E-P. And the first P stands for painkiller. So we use food basically to anesthetize uncomfortable feelings. You know, I, my, my, I was drawn to heavy foods like sugar, fat, and carbs. Okay, my favorite three food groups, by the way. So basically, you know, I would be numbing with food and, and I'd feel no pain. Like I, I didn't feel anything. I was anesthetizing my feelings with heavy foods, you know, and, and basically, that I didn't feel anything. And that was a big driver, you know, and pain, what kind of pain? We have lots of pain in life, you know, a job that's not working for us, or, you know, a relationship that's not working for us, or a parent that's ill. I mean, there's so many different stressors and, and painful things in life. And we use food to numb or alcohol or drugs to numb that the E in PEP stands for escape. Because, you know, oftentimes, you know, life is stressful and uh, we also have things happening that we don't want to deal with, you know, things like financial stress and family tension. Um, and so basically, we just get our favorite goodies, sit in front of the TV and go to a faraway place, <laughs> at least momentarily. And the last P stands for punishment, which seems counterintuitive because, you know, uh, yummy foods are meant to be a reward. Um, but if I'm using them, you know, to overindulge and then I feel sick, uh, it's not so much of a reward. It's more like a punishment. So what's that about? You know, and my experience is that overeaters tend to be overfeelers. You know, I felt guilty about everything. And I was super hard on myself when I'd make mistakes. And so I used food to beat myself up. So the pep test is a way that people can start just even noticing that, oh, it's not so simple as I like chocolate. You know, there's something else going on. So next time you find yourself wandering in the kitchen, ask yourself, what's going on? You know, am I numbing painful emotions? Am I looking to escape, you know, uncomfortable feelings or feelings of being overwhelmed? Or am I punishing myself for something I've said or done that I feel bad about? You know, and that's a great way to start for people. I want to talk about this because I have so, I'm making it in my head right now, so many clients and people in my life that, do exactly that. They have this trigger, something sets them off, they reach for the junk food or whatever it may be, and then all of a sudden they just start punishing themselves. Why did I eat that? I'm fat, I'm not gonna right? eat. And then this cycle just adds on to itself. Now they're punished, so now they have more yeah. reasons. So now they sure. go back to the bad food again. And then before you know it, they're up 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 pounds. Exactly. It is a vicious cycle. It's and it's it's a terrible cycle of self-sabotage. Yeah, and I, I I would be totally fake of me to admit that I've never been there. And I have. <laughs> I <feel> like <laughs> yeah, everyone, we all have. Everyone has. Yeah. But it's taking that negative cycle, understanding it, which is I love what you said. It's just at least marking that occasion where you can say, hey, this is what I do, and then you notice it. And then you could say, how can I address that issue? So how exactly. can I take this negative and turn it into a positive? So how do we approach that? What's your general understanding of just kind of taking things head on? Because I'm the person that's like, all right, this really bad thing is happening in my life. Let me break down for like five hours because we all need that emotional release. And then it's, all right, next day, figure it out, go. So I know I'm different, but I want yeah. you to go through how we get there. 
Sure. So what like people like Sarah, you know, what she began to do is I taught her um, basically, first of all, stress is another thing. So you got to notice that, you know, the connection between your eating and your emotions. But you also have to get more emotionally balanced by reducing stress. You know, stress creates elevated cortisol, as you know, and cortisol, you know, makes us hungry and it makes us uh, store fat instead of burning it. So it's really important that we find ways to reduce stress. And because especially because, you know, people who tend to overeat, they tend to not only overeat, um, but they overdo. Okay, so emotional eaters tend to be overdoers. Like we're, we're running circles around everybody else, you know, doing for others, never taking time for ourselves. And that has to change. And so it's really important that we do some self-care. So I say start your morning with kind of some kind of ritual um, you know, for me, it's prayer and meditation. It's reading something spiritual. It's like I'm putting money in my spiritual bank account. I'm giving myself some some fuel, some of the right kind of fuel that I can draw on and that can drive me through the day instead of reaching for that quick fix of chocolate or candy or chips, right? And so um, the de-stressing is, I say de-stress, eat less, you know? And so it's really important that we have some of those. We can't go at a breakneck speed through our lives and expect to not overeat. You know, when we don't take time for our meals, we're eating on the run and foods we eat in our car generally are not, you know, salads because you can't eat a salad while you drive. You know, it's a bar, it's chips. And so we have to, we have to change our lives. Again, it's a living problem, not an eating problem. And of course that's not sexy. I mean, give me a diet, give me a magic pill. That sounds so much easier. Of course it doesn't exist. You know, there's no diet or magic pill that's going to change fundamentally your patterns. So we have to put effort into that. So I have something called the six self-care secrets. You know, it's meditation, it's prayer, it's reading spiritual literature, it's writing. Writing's really important for offloading stressful and heavy emotions, you know, um, and so we don't stuff it. You know, I always say, say it or stuff it. So you got to write it out. You got to share your feelings um, so talking, walking, these are things that can bring down our stress level and help us deal with our emotions in a healthier way so they don't deal with us. So these are some things people can implement. Now, I will tell you, it's not likely to happen on your own. You may be one of those rare birds, Anthony, that can just be like, okay, let's do this. I have a feeling you are, you know, but a lot of people, <laughs> I, I a lot of myself to get there. Let's, let's took a lot of years of work. <laughs> Well, congratulations. And most people like me need support. And, and so I do all my work in, in a community of emotional eaters. Like I help people create community amongst each other because when we do, you know, meditation is something everybody knows they should do, but they don't do it because they're busy, right? It's like, oh, I'm too busy. Well, we all are. That's why we need it, you know? And so, um, but when you're doing it in community with other people, when you're around other people, I mean, we are the sum total of the five, you know, closest people to us, you know? So who are you surrounding ourselves with? People who are you're going out to, you know, lunch and dinner all the time and eating dessert? Are we hanging out with people that want to better themselves, you know, go to the gym, you know, be more fit and also clean up their lives, you know, develop and become more of the person they're meant to be. So those are the people I, you know, I create community for those people, um, especially if, you know, as emotional eaters, and it just makes it easier to implement these self-care habits, because otherwise, we lose track, and we just get right back into that rat race of doing, doing, doing. I, I agree. I, I tried 
personally morning rituals, but it just, like you said, you do it for a hot month <laughs> and then before you know it, you're out of the ritual because now you're running around like a lunatic again. So any advice on how to keep to it and keep yourself honest to doing those kind of things? Community, just don't do it alone and reach for, out for help. You know, I mean, uh, it's really, people have this aversion to getting coached uh, along the lines of helping them eat better. You know, I mean, they'll go to a dietitian or a nutritionist, but in terms of, you know, really overcoming emotional eating, it's not gonna happen on your own. You know, but people are like, oh, it's so silly, you know, to need help with something like what I put in my mouth. Like I should be able to do this better. Like I should know better and th therefore do better. But what people don't understand is emotional eating is one of the hardest of all ad addictive habits. Why? Because we have to eat. You know, we can't just, just stop or put the plug in the jug, you know, with alcohol. You know, it's like it, we have to, I, I, I say it's akin to taking a growling tiger out of the cage three times a day, trying to pet the nice kitty, and then somehow get it back in the cage and shut the door without getting your ass torn off, basically. And that's very hard to do unless you get help, you know? And so people are so hard on themselves. No, it's really hard to do this on your own. It's a lifelong addiction. It's a lifelong habit, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and you got to get support. And by the way, it's not always an addiction for people. And the way people can know what it is, is I call it, I say it's really like a spectrum, emotional eating. Like I feel we all have the ability to emotionally eat. I think we're hardwired to have an emotional connection to food, like breastfeeding. It's a beautiful, wonderful, connecting, bonding experience for a mother and a child. So it's, we've got it in us to emotionally eat, but some people take it way too far, which was me. So I have this quiz, this free quiz people can take. It's on my website and it, it'll tell them whether they're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between. And you get a personalized score because it's a spectrum. Not everybody has, you know, 3000 calorie binges like I did. Okay. Like sitting in front of the TV until you're like totally comatose. So, so not everybody goes to that extent and not everybody, you know, has lost control to the extent that I did. So if you take that quiz, you'll actually find out where you are on that spectrum. But bottom line is, you know, if you're anywhere on the higher end of that spectrum, you need support. Like, don't try to do it on your own. It, it, chances are, if you could have done it on your own, you would have by now. I, I couldn't agree more. It's trying to get that help to do things. I mean, as a trainer, we're basically psychologists. Little does everyone know it's apparently our second degree. Yeah. And that's why people come to us because they have that emotional connection. And like you said, they're surrounding themselves with different types of people because they see, oh, well, my trainer is not doing that. Now that kind of rubs off on them a little bit. You know, they're not going to sit there and drink 12 beers in a sitting or have a gallon of ice cream in one sitting. It's all about living life in a balance and respecting yourself a little more. Yeah, so accountability accountability is everything. A hundred percent. So you're doing you're figuring out where someone's lying, then you're doing a stress relief with tips of like meditation and prayer and all that awesome stuff. Setting morning rituals. What's the next step for somebody after that? 
Um, <clears throat> well, just for a tip for people who are snackers, I recommend something called three meal magic, which is eat, eating three meals with nothing in between, you know, and what you eat in those meals depends on how much you're exercising, you know, and, and, and what your needs, personal needs are. So I don't tell people what to eat. Like people need to get in touch with what their body needs. But if you're an emotional eater and you have a connection with food that's emotional, you're going to blow right beyond what your body needs, obviously, and feed it things that it doesn't need. So, um, but the three meals is kind of a nice, you know, uh, guide or, or system for people um, to start with, you know, just not eating in between meals is, is that's a big change for people, you know, and it'll help you kind of wake up to how emotional your choices are. Because if it's between a meal, and you're really not hungry, because you had a good meal of good protein, good veggies, you know, fats, uh, and you're, and you're still like, like, no, I really need to eat something. Chances are that's an emotional, you know, that's what comes from an emotional hunger. Um, so taking a look at that, doing the pep test, you know, am I, is, is there something I'm avoiding? Am I in pain over something? You know, am I feeling guilty about something? So that's when you take the pep test. Um, uh, I would definitely recommend that to people. Um, but also, um, I do something which is a great place to start for people if they're interested. I call it the quit sugar challenge. And this is a great place to start. Like just let's clear sugar out of your diet because sugar, there are like no redeeming benefits to sugar. Okay. It makes you age faster. It gives you inflammation in your body, gives, makes you feel bloated, makes you gain weight, you know, and it's addictive. Like it's one of the most addictive substances there are. So really important to clear that out. Um, and so the quit sugar challenge is really a fun way to start. And I have one coming up. Um, so yeah, it's great. So if somebody goes to quit sugar challenge.com, they can sign up for that or get on the wait list if, if we're um, just taking, you know, the wait list right now, but, um, when does it start? Uh, right around Halloween. <laughs> wow. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> it's great. It's five classes for $17. It's super easy. There's a VIP option where you can hang out with me after class and, and I, I answer questions and all that. But, but it's a really great way to just, boom, in a week, clear sugar out or at least lessen sugar. Um, and then also learn about emotional eating because, of course, I'll train on that as well, like how to stay quit, you know, which is addressing some of the deeper stuff but it's a that's a great way to start so i reckon recommend the quit sugar challenge and also taking that free quiz on my website and the website's healyourhunger.com i love it Thank, i appreciate you really talking about this because everyone so many people come on and it's just uh, my audience i get it it's the same thing over and over and over again diets don't work learn to eat better but when you're an emotional eater it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. <laughs> You're just beating a dead horse saying the same thing over and over and over again when there's really something deeper involved. No question. So just real last, just kind of sum up a little bit about what Heal Your Hunger is, summarize things we've talked about, and give us a nice take-home message to go home with. Sure. So the take-home message right out of the gate is it's not about the food. It's not about the food or the weight. You know, overweight comes from overeating. Overeating comes from what's eating you. So that's where we got to go. So just to recap, take the PEP test, you know, using food as a painkiller, as an escape or form of punishment. Start a morning routine where you can sort of get still and quiet and create some stores, you know, that you can, that can help fuel you throughout the day so you're not reaching for food for quick energy. 
Um, reach out for support, you know, just like you would reach out for a trainer. Nobody has qualms about hiring a trainer to get them to do what they need to do. You need support to eat healthy and, and not go down the rabbit hole of emotional eating. Um, take the quiz. Uh, join me for the Quit Sugar Challenge. Um, and really just know it's not about the food. You know, it's just, you know, that's the, my biggest message, you know, is just know that there's things we can do to live more effectively and it will like totally impact how you eat, but you don't have to just keep beating your head against the wall with trying to fix the symptom. Food is a symptom. Weight is a symptom. Okay. So let's go deeper. Let's deal with the underlying causes, you know, and it'll directly, you know, my, my clients are off the diet track. They're no longer diet. They're no longer dieting, you know, and yet they're losing weight. It's incredible to them, but it's because they're putting the focus on the right stuff. So, you know, that's, that's the name of the game and it's hard to do alone. So I'm happy to support anybody who's looking for that kind of support. And my book is super helpful too. It's called Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. Um, that's on Amazon. And for podcast listeners, I have a podcast called The Heal Your Hunger Show. And I just think personally, everyone needs to share this episode right now. Have your friend listen to it. Get another person to join you on the Quit Sugar Challenge because I want to get as many people as I can a part of that because I'm sure as those that know, people like us, we do this to help all you guys. That's why we put all this effort in. It's yes. $17, right? $17? Yep. yep. So you share it to your friend, show them the value, Quit Sugar. And then just you basically answered my next question anyway, but just summarize where can people find you get a hold of you? Yeah, um, healyourhunger.com, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com um, is a great place to start. And take the quiz, just take the quiz. Take the quiz, guys. And thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Health and Fitness Redefined. Don't forget, subscribe to our show and join us next week as we dive deeper into this ever-changing field. And remember, fitness is a journey not a destination. Until next time. For us, we know what it's like to feel unhealthy, depressed, and downright defeated. We want to show others there is a right way. And through fitness, you can do anything you set your mind to. Fitness can give you that motivation, confidence, energy you need to bridge that mental gap and prevent you from missing important life events. We understand it's about feeling better, living longer, and being good examples for our kids. We understand this because we live it. And for us, that's the redefined difference.